This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to Stadio Podcast on Ring RC. I'm Musa Konga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm not going to lie, Musa, I'm a little bit groggy. Groggy, how come? Is it the heat? You know, I'm a very pale boy from the north of England. I'm struggling, struggling. To be honest, I'm struggling as well. I'm not pale and not from the north of England, so... How, how are you, anyway? Staying hydrated. Yeah, you always are. Yeah, staying hydrated, that's the... You need to thing. hydrate your tweets because they are... You were popping out some very dehydrated tweets. I don't even... Do you know what's so funny about it? I'm getting people going, oh, Musa, Musa. I'm like, what? Like, it's my Twitter. Like, it is what it is. <laughs> Let me live. Let me live, exactly. Everyone's going, three different people sent me that, Musa. I just sent one tweet. I did, I did nearly hand in my notice. <laughs> what about it? Do you know what it is? It's just, I'm transitioning into dad joke territory. For for those who are unaware of the tweet in question, after the Atalanta PSG game last night, Musa Okwanga of, you know, a well respected writer, poet, musician, <laughs> podcast host, published author, numerous books on the horizon, which we will talk about actually because I want to plug them, posted a tweet <laughs> saying Atalanta in the streets, Paris Saint Germain in the balance sheets. <laughs> it's a dad joke. It wasn't a dad joke. It was dad rap. It was <laughs> absolutely dreadful. The attack that came in after that. Well deserved. From all corners. From all- thoroughly deserved. <laughs> hey, you bring it on yourself. Um, but you're not the only one in trouble this week. Uh, who else? Well, both of us and also me individually. Oh my goodness. Okay, here we go. Shout out to... Our good friend and longtime listener, Akash, who said, <laughs> I got a WhatsApp message off Akash straight after Monday's podcast when we were talking about Pirlo saying, and I quote, and he's okay with me reading this out, a whole Thierry Henry exists and you both were like, the most attractive manager is Pirlo. You both sickened me and I'm never listening again. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> the funny thing is, Akash has threatened to cancel me before with my campaign to turn everyone into an eight. So he'll be back. I know he'll be back because he can't get this anywhere else. He can't get this anywhere else. Shouts to Akash, one of the best. The other incident this week was flagged by our very good friend, Callum Jacobs, head of Caracom magazine. He said, when he actually sent me a voice note, he said, it's Dennis Bavel. I said Dennis Bobble, and it's clearly wrong. So I'd like to apologise to anyone who has the surname Bavel. So that, can we say that's an official Stadio apology? Do you know what? I'll, allow, I'll let you have that one. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I've finally done an official This is an obsession with everything being official. This is an official Stadio prediction. No, it's not. But that's an official Stadio apology. Can I just have that? Can I have that? Yeah, you can have that. It's an official Stadio apology. Amazing. Um, all right, before we get over this ramble bit and get onto the football, we're going to do some admin. Stadio theme music is available on Bandcamp. We're going to do our first donation of all the money that we've had so far. This week, stadio.bandcamp.com, it's minimum three euros. All of the information to the organizations we're, we're donating to is on that page. You can pay what you like. It's just a minimum three euros. So any support is massively appreciated. Also, Stadio Sessions is back. Oh, amazing. We're doing a Saturday ahead of Manchester City, Lyon. So it's going to be the two hours before kickoff on Saturday evening, 7 p.m. Berlin time, 6 p.m. London time, and I think that's 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Saturday Pacific time. We'll post the flyer on the Stadio Twitter, at Stadio, and the Instagram, at Stadio Football, uh, with all of the time zone times. And we usually get one wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do. I don't know why I'm bringing you into this. (laughs) Uh, It's going to be a house and techno special. So... Lots of Chicago, Detroit stuff. It's going to be fun. Pre-match rave, Musa. Vibes, vibes. Uh, I think that's all the admin, I believe. So. All good. One prediction so far in the Champions League, and we were wrong. Although I left a caveat for myself. Such a beige take. Oh, says the man that wrote a piece (laughs) for the ringer about championships and caveats. Hey, just channeling my just channeling my inner Sid Lowe. No, you're right. You're right. Listen, you're right though. It was is a beige take at the same time. Um, no, I'm kidding. It was true though. I mean, it was it was quite hard to call. I think, and you saw that how the game actually played out. Oh my god! I thought showed how hard it was to call. Do you know what? Okay, so Atalanta obviously losing two one in the last five minutes to PSG, having had a one goal lead. But there is so much about this result that felt inevitable, not just last night, but over the last few weeks, there was just a sense that Atalanta were running out of steam. Mm. And I think that also as well, this is not to disrespect them. If you look how many few, there was a certain point about five games ago of the season, you would have thought they would have cleared 100 goals easily in the Italian league. Mm. And they didn't. Now they had some difficult games in the run-in, but at the same time, I think that, I mean, the absence of Joseph, Joseph Ilicic cannot be discounted. He is, was their major goal threat, was providing about as many assists and probably even key passes as Alejandro Gomez. So he was a huge loss, not just a, a loss as, as, a, as a producer on the field, but a spiritual loss, like someone who you could rely on to create genius, but also you look to and you're reassured that in a late game, he will get goals for you. And by the end of the match, when Gomez had gone off with a nasty looking injury about half an hour to go, you looked at that pitch and thought, your two leaders aren't there. Mm. And that's really unfair. Like a, a team like Atalanta cannot absorb, we'll get onto PSG in a sec, it cannot absorb losses of that magnitude like PSG. 
and it did oh, come down. No. It yeah. came in the end to a war of resources. Atalanta made tactical errors for sure. Those are risks that you make. And there were some, a couple of crossfield passes that exposed their back three that looked like nerves, no question. But at the same time, this came down to weight of resources. I mean, their seventh choice forward, effectively. I mean, I don't know how many, how far down the pecking order Chipo Muting is, but he's not, you know, six, seven choice forward ends up scoring the winner. Well, they started with Sarabia and Icardi up front with Neymar behind. And even though we were missing a lot of people, that's well, still bear in mind, I mean, in front three, yeah. Going into this, it would have been, well, this season, they would have had Cavani ahead of him. Yeah. Um, obviously, Mbappe, when he's fit, fully fit. But to be fair to Chupa Moting, this isn't the first time that he's come on and had an impact for PSG. He's done it since he's arrived. That's true. Obviously not relentlessly, but he has done this before. He's got previous. I think the whole game, like you say, kind of rested on the depth of the changes available. Yes. Weirdly, I thought Mbappe came on and didn't look, he, did, he clearly didn't look fully fit, yet he was still so much better than pretty much everyone on the football pitch. Yeah. And completely changed the game, I think, him and Chupa Moting. I think... Obviously, Chupa Moteng had a really big impact with the goal and his assist for the... Well, not the assist, but the, the, the cross that kind of led to the first. Yeah. But I thought Mbappe just... I mean, Atalanta looked tired. And when you bring on Mbappe that late in the game against a tired team who are missing their two best guys, probably, like you said, or their two most influential guys, there felt a weird inevitability about it once that change happened. Whereas I think yeah. before that, they rode their look a bit. I mean, obviously Neymar missed that chance in what, the third minute? Yes. Which was really weird. You just, I, it was such a weird chance because I thought he would have absolutely buried that. And Atalanta looked like for the entire game, do you know what I think it is? I think when you are that, not suspect because that sounds like a criticism, let's say liberal in your defending. Right? Yes, yes. After a while, it drains you. I yes, think. yes. The problem is, it's such a flimsy, and it's not just, it's partly a high line, yes, but the only, that there are very few defenders in world football that can cover that amount of space. Mm. And one of them's like Virgil van Dijk, and none of them are players that Atlanta can afford. Yeah, and it's, I think the, emo the amount of emotional energy or emotional, what's the word I want to use here? I think the, the amount of emotional distress that that, that can cause being that on edge for that long defensively, whenever the ball went forward, there was such panic there. Yes. And it can really wear you down, no matter how good you are going forward. And I think you saw this Atalanta side is, in a way, really naive, but in a super endearing way. And that that's, sounds really patronising, both those comments, but they're super fun to watch. Even if I think you supported them, you would turn a blind eye to some of the defending because when they were going forward, I watched it again this morning before we recorded and the amount of times where they seem to make a pass that shifts the pace of the attack. Yeah. It was like they managed to do it at the precise moment where nine, you know, most of the PSG players were on their heels. Yeah. So dangerous, so good to watch, so fun, but it's, it's a high risk, high reward thing and they've done that all season. Unfortunately, this time they came up against a side who were able to pull out extra tools just to kind of nullify it. From a romantic point of view, it was obviously a shame that they couldn't progress. Maybe just one game too far in a season that has probably drained a lot of energy in that squad. 
It was just painful because Ilicic was just an astonishing loss. Mm. That's the thing. I keep coming back to that. I look at that game and think all you needed was a second goal. I, I truly believe that a second yeah. goal any time in the first hour of that game and it's done. It's good night because, mm. you know, Neymar was so far out of sorts and it's ironic, you know, it's interesting because those are effectively, these are effectively the sort of the dozen or so games that Neymar was bought for. And he was utterly misfiring. Now you could argue he was in good position to miss their chances at the same time. Neymar going through in those two occasions that he went through the first half and missed badly. Those are both okay. And there's a, there was a third time as well when he squared it instead of shooting where I was like, he looks tentative. Mm. But saying that, I do think that some of his link-up play and build-up play was really impressive. Like obviously his pass from Mbappe for the, for the winner. Yeah, Which true. was a beautiful, beautiful move. Yeah, he missed some chances and he looked a bit rusty, I think, still. But I think this is something that maybe people actually weirdly don't give Neymar enough credit for now, is that his base level is actually a lot higher than I think people give him credit for. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I have to say, I, I do look at this result last night and I still feel it was self-inflicted. Only because there's this defeat for Atlanta, only because I look at that, the first goal, when the cross comes in mm. and the type of player that screams for that ball to go out and then attacks it and heads it away is the kind of player with the kind of makeup that Atlanta don't have in their squad. Mm. There's, a, there's a great Sid Lowe piece, well, when isn't there, where he refers to, he's talking about Busquets, Sergio Busquets, and says that for Barcelona, he's what they call the dirty milk. And just that player that has that bit of nasty who is like, who sees threat, who organises the defence, like the amount of space that I think Mbappe is in when he receives that cross that he squares, which is turned into like Atlanta's own net. The amount of space he is in, in the last minute of a Champions League final. And that isn't just tired legs, that's organisational. That's a gap between a right wing back and a centre back. And it's just the kind of space with someone that's brought on to do a brutal job. Like that's the kind of person you have a defender on your bench who is someone that just comes on and organises the defence and sews everything together. And that is just their sole job to just come on and do that thing. Mm. And they didn't have someone like that. They didn't. No, well, I think this is the thing about these kind of teams that have the, you know, the, those kind of runs in the Champions League. We saw it with Ajax. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, it's like that, <laughs> it's like the honeymoon period of a relationship, but you haven't had to go through the logistics of like bills and mortgage and stuff like that yet. Yeah, it's just true. kind of like running carefree, doing the kind of cliche, whatever you don't start out the season with that expectation. Yeah. So you just kind of keep going. You saw it with like Ajax, if they had the ability to shut down that Spurs game, for yes, example, yes, exactly. they would have well, got to the Champions League final. Yes. There's something else going on there as well. I agree with that. And I'll just add that there's something else going there, which is a weird lack of entitlement, if I'd say this. That's it, yeah. What I mean by that is you've got to be unashamed of winning games you don't deserve to win. Yeah. And teams like PSG, the reason teams keep fighting that are demonstrably not as good as the teams that are, they end up beating are because they're like, I don't deserve to win this, I'm going to win it anyway. Mm. And PSG had their moment. What's that? What's that? I mean, I, I know we don't like Game of Thrones here anymore. What? Why? Well, because it's, it's been a great show. Yeah, it's been cancelled. Is it actually? No, no, not really, not really. Did, you know, that, 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 Did something problematic come out? Yes. Well, not, not really. Just season five. <laughs> yeah, yeah it was, it was, whatever it was, yeah. The most traumatic moment of Game of Thrones, after which point I stopped watching it too much, was when the Red Viper, who everyone loves, gets beaten by the mountain and the red viper is so far ahead of the mountain that he like is basically like parading around. He's, he's fighting with a poison spear and then he gets too close to the mountain and the mountain just basically like crushes him. 
And that's how this felt last night. It felt like, like everyone's favorite character in Game of Thrones is Red Viper. Everyone's favorite character who was a neutral was Atalanta in this draw, pretty much. And I think, yeah, the scrutiny got too much. Um, and the only consolation I take from this is that I'm not sure they would have made it through whoever comes out in the next round. Without Ilicic and with Gomez looking that like a bad injury, a nasty, nasty mm. straight muscle strain there. And yeah, look, and here's the thing as well. They came third in Serie A, so they'll be back. Yeah, and they would, I mean, this is, I've, I've tweeted afterwards, money always wins, and I think this is the kind of thing in the end. I mean, it was a little bit flippant, obviously, but you look at the gulf in financial might here. It's astonishing. Like, this isn't even the third highest wage bill in Serie A. This is the 12th highest wage bill in Serie A compared to whatever PSG's is in the Champions League. Can I say this as well? Who the hell would not want to play for Gasparini this season? And if I was a fast centre-back, a fast centre-back who could cover vast spaces, I'd be on the phone to my agent at once, being like, I can do this. Look at my stats. Honestly, this is one of the few times I'd be like, if you're an agent of a central defender for a Belgian first division team, you know one of those teams, you know there's, there's always, there's a centre-back in every league who is the reason why his team in every sort of men's league, women's league, there's, there's, a, there's a centre-back in every league in Europe who is the reason that his team was not relegated this season. Or if his team does go down because it didn't score enough goals, is one of the first people to be stripped for parts. Whoever those centre-backs are, get your CVs in to Gasparin Atalanta because they need you and you'll have so much fun playing in a team like that. You're going to play out from the back, cover space, put yourself in the shop window. I just think what's so exciting about Atalanta is the amount of goodwill they've got this year, they'll be, they'll be welcomed back when they're allowed to actually celebrate properly. Like mm. absolute heroes. Third in Serie A, Champions League quarter-finalists playing the most stunning football. Like at a time like this, at a time when Bergamo has been through so much, mm. you go and do that. And I think that maybe weighed on the players a little bit, the responsibility to perform and all the rest of it. There's probably a lot of emotional stuff we don't even know about. There are probably a ton of messages from like, local teachers, doctors, wishing them best luck. The amount of video messages, WhatsApp messages these players have received in the course of the tournament going, we love you, we're proud of you. All mm. of that. This is an unforgettable season and the beauty of it is there could be a sequel coming up. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. I think it's easy to underestimate the emotional toll that this season has played on professional athletes in general. Yeah. And yeah, obviously we're, we've all been in this together over the last what, four or five months now? Five, yeah. six months. Yeah. Um, and yeah, athletes are very well paid and they have the ability to put certain restrictions in place. But you look at the NBA the other day, like the Suns' starting lineup was read out by video message from their families. Yeah. These are people who are, like, and the same for the WNBA, these are, these are athletes who are away from their families in a bubble in the midst of a global pandemic and political crises everywhere. Yeah. And they have to perform at the level that they're expected to perform in front of everyone in the world. I can't even begin to imagine the emotional toll or strain that this has put on the players. Me neither. Since sports came back, because it's just wild. Um, just to your point about centre-back, I think it'd be a really great spot for any young Premier League centre-backs looking for a loan. Oh my God, Ryan, amazing. 
I love that as a shout. And I think I'm going to be paying more attention than usual to who they recruit in that space. Yeah, definitely. They're going to have some interest, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, quickly on PSG then. So they will face the winners of Atletico Madrid and RB Leipzig. Mm. We picked Atleti. So let's assume it's Atleti PSG. Big assumption given what we've been through, but still. Yeah, but I know you mean. I know. Yeah. yeah. Could you see them going through against Atleti? I mean, you're going to have a few more days to get Mbappe fit. Neymar a little bit sharper. I can see anything happening in a one-off. Mm. I can see PSG winning this because it's a one-off and because PSG have firepower. And if they don't, if Atleti don't win, it'll because they didn't get their attack working in time. Mm. You know, they've got, it's weird. Someone said to me yesterday, I was talking to, was it Zane or Harry who were watching it with yesterday? I don't comment with which of them I spoke to about this. But either Zane or Harry said this, it was about, you know, do you think actually this Atleti is the best? And I said, well, I think it's the best balanced. I think it's got the most goals in it of any Atleti team. Before, you knew the goals come from two or three people. But now you've got Lorente can get you goals. Vitolo, Correa, um, Costa, Lamar, if he clicks into life. I mean, there's a ton of people that can score for you. And Felix, of course. But I'm just not, I'm not fully convinced that Atleti can get the goal machine going. Mm. Well, maybe that's save... The proper preview yeah, to next week because I think we'll be able to do that on Monday and look ahead. Sure. And by then we'll know who the semi-finalists are. And also apologies to RB Leipzig fans if we've written you off because we know that you've lost Timo Werner so this is where it's all coming in. Oh, yeah, but also anyone who listens to this podcast knows that they should never listen to us. Yeah, that's true. We know- listen to the podcast, just don't listen to us. Yeah, don't we know listen. nothing. We know yeah, nothing. Please, yeah. please keep listening to the podcast. Yeah, we know nothing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's take a break. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. UFC 252 is coming up on August 15th, and there is no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, FanDuel Sportsbook has a special UFC 252 offer for new users. Just sign up with my code RINGERFC, and you'll get exclusive 25 to 1 odds on Cormier versus Miocic to win their title fight at UFC 252. That means you can pick either fighter to win, then just bet $5 for a chance to win $125. FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sports betting site for a reason. They've got a simple, intuitive app that makes it easy to find the bet you're looking for and then lock it in. And unlike other sportsbooks, once you win, FanDuel gets you your cash in as little as 24 hours. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. Right now, the right thing for you to do is to download FanDuel Sportsbook and check out their fantastic app for yourself. Just be sure to use the promo code RINGERFC to claim your exclusive 25 to 1 odds on Cormier versus Miocic at UFC 252. Remember, that's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code RINGERFC. 21 plus and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Indiana, or Colorado. New users only. Max bonus $125. Minimum $10 first deposit required. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or in Colorado, call 1-800-522-4700. 
All right, we're back from the break and we're going to talk Europa League, which was super fun, I thought. Lots of incident, yeah, lots of incident. Let's go through them in order of how they happen. So Inter by Leverkusen was super fun. Yeah. The first half was absolutely wild and it kind of tailed off a little bit in the second half. Um, Lionel Messi wasn't the, didn't score the best falling over goal of the last week. <laughs> because Romelu Lukaku did. Ashley Young into Romelu Lukaku. Rolling back the years. Hashtag narrative. Actually, shout out to Lukaku, who that is a move which worked out well for both teams, I think. Like, yeah, Lukaku's totally. really happy Inter. And Lukaku scored in, yes, Romelu Lukaku, the first player ever to score in nine straight Europa League slash UEFA Cup matches. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable stat. That is an unbelievable stat. So, I mean, they dispatched Leverkusen, which is not unexpected. Um, yeah, this Leverkusen side has started to look a little bit, hmm, I don't know, I caught them at, towards the end of the, the Bundesliga season. They, they didn't really blow Champions League qualification. They kind of just like fizzled out yeah. a bit. They were there. They could have qualified for the Champions League and they just, I don't know, they started to look a little bit, not jaded, but I don't know. I can't put, my, can't put my finger on the word I want to use. So you know what it is? It's like when Leverkusen remind me of Switzerland in the second round of like a World Cup. Mm. It's just a level beyond which they're not going to go. They just don't mm. have the tools and they're like, you know, they can be really well organised, but if you haven't got the personnel to execute the ideas. And actually someone, said, someone sent a message about this. Someone sent a kind of question on Twitter saying, the thing is, um, Atalanta tried to play a game to close it out with players that with personnel they didn't have. Mm. They, don't, they don't close out games like that and I think Leverkusen at the same challenge you know Inter just have so many tools and we forget this so yeah that was interesting Inter Leverkusen um, United went through against Copenhagen this game man I mean should have been about 12-0 yeah I mean the, the Copenhagen keeper how did he not get man of the match I don't really get this Bruno Fernandes got, I think got given man of the match Carl Johan Jonsson should have been given man of the match. But is I that think. almost happening? Is the Bruno Fernandes man of the match always, almost happening by default now? Yeah, just give it him and he'll probably do something. I liked his penalty though. I really, really liked his penalty because... Yeah, he changed it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Do you know why? Because he's like, that keeper's too clever for this. That mm. keeper is so good. And the, the, the Fernandes penalty... I think he smelt the narrative. He smelt the narrative. He was like, Carl Johan's having a great game here. And, and he studied, yeah, he studied it and he's quick yeah. on his toes. He'd stop that amazing drive from distance. You know, when a keeper gets across with his top hand, you know, he's on it. You know, he's on the mm. case. Like when you get it, then you're covering all aspects of your goal. So he'd stopped an incredible uh, drive from distance. And so Fernandez, when he runs up to the spot, doesn't check his run mm. with the hop because the hop only works if the keeper looks like he's going to go early and if the keeper's weight is not balanced on his toes. And he'd been moving so well all night, all, all game. And so he rips it into the corner and it, it, he literally hit it in the only two inches of space. It was mm. like Andy Bremer's penalty against Goy Kutcher in the World Cup 90 final. Oh, that's a lovely shout. Do you know what I mean? He hit the only space, because Goy Kutcher had been stopping penalties all tournament. That's why I draw that analogy, that comparison. And he was like, nah, this is, this calls for no bullshit. This is going right in the, right in the angle. Yeah, the extra time was... Super entertaining. And just because, do you know what I really enjoyed about this game for no reason, no, no particular reason, was just a free roaming Juan Mata. <laughs> free one. I don't know, man. I really like Juan Mata. I'd love to see him. I mean, maybe he's compl- he seems really, really happy in Manchester, but I'd love to see him somewhere where he was playing every week. Almost like a, you know how Santi moved to Villarreal? Yeah. 
I'd love to see him maybe back at somewhere like, I mean, he's not going to go back to Valencia at the moment, I don't think, but somewhere maybe back in La Liga where he can contribute, where he can start games every week. I still think he has quite a, quite a lot to contribute, even though obviously he's not the player that he once was. And there were just glimpses of it in this game. I think maybe in a slower paced, kind of maybe not so hectic schedule, I think he could really thrive. Well, he could thrive in the Premier League, but the problem is you have to surround him with speed. People forget how good he looked. How good he looked. It, this is the problem. He looked amazing when Luke Shaw and Memphis were firing and Martial was looking good. Mata was running the show because he didn't have to be quick. And when Mata is surrounded by speed, you can find him anywhere. And mm-hmm. his understanding with Ander Herrera was brilliant. They had a great triangle. They, but you have to surround him with speed. He's not like David Silva. People draw that comparison, but David Silva was quick. David Silva could finish on a breakaway. And mm-hmm. if, if David Silva basically had like, if you gave David Silva five yards, it was actually quite hard to catch him. Mm-hmm. And that's always been the thing with Mata. It is, you know, he's not a big player. He's, you know, I suppose physically quite lightweight, but it's what it's like, like those old, those old days. It's very, he's actually a very sort of Serie A type player in the sense that if you put two defensive midfielders behind him or Ozil type thing, like two defensive midfielders mm-hmm. behind him uh, and fast, fast fullbacks. Fast yeah, I think, everything. yeah. I think the problem with these kind of players in the Premier League though, is that they become kind of like Goldilocks players. And you can't afford to, to build a side around no, you that cannot. one thing because if, if they go down, for example, yeah, you can't. they're so specific in their skill sets now. Yeah. That, I mean, I actually think Ozil is a little bit more fluid than Mata in terms of his abilities, though. I think because I think Ozil's athleticism is a little bit underrated and not oh, course, and hasn't dropped off as much yeah. as, as, as Mata's, but still. Absolutely. I think that with, with the tactical shift towards counter-attacking and counter-pressing all of this kind of stuff and like transitions yeah I think these roles are becoming a little bit obsolete and you're seeing it maybe in the lack of creativity in certain in certain sides because these these classic number 10s need to be a little bit more rounded in their game and they're not but I would I would really love to see him go somewhere I mean do you know what like Villarreal would be really fun I think yeah yeah <laughs> he played under Emery for three years at Valencia one matter Oh my God, he's a great shout then. Maybe reuniting. 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 How about that? Tweet that, Musot Gwanga, with your trash tweets. No, no, no. I want to tweet things people don't see coming. <laughs> They'll see um, me coming. So Manchester United are through and they will play Sevilla, who beat Wolves. Wolves, Wolves, Wolves. Just burned out. Just their 12-year yeah. season is over. Goodness me. Do you know what it reminds? Wolves of season reminds me of those days. You know the Intertoto Cup? Oh. When you, yeah, I know. I hate to even say the name of that tournament, but just like the oh. never-ending football. So much football. Poor Wolves. They have really, really had a season. And it's actually, you know, I, I think it's always a compliment when, and this is my sort of the one thing that's a bit of a shame about the way Atlanta lost. I think when you lose to a team with more resources, it's always nice if you lose and there's been a demonstration from the other team just to show you actually this is the craft that we have. So Eva Benega he got a lot of hype early in his career, justifiably mm. so. Mm-hmm. And it might be argued that he's actually, it sounds harsh to say this because he had a superb game for Sevilla. My ultimate agenda with all of this stuff is why didn't you help Leo Messi more? Because I just look at that generation of astonishing Argentina players and just think, I wish you'd given us a masterpiece of a team. All I'm saying is I wish it all come together. When you see Benega perform the way he does, 
for Sevilla. When he saw like someone like Fernando Gago doing what he did at Boca, I just wish there was a sort of, I don't know who it would have been. Maybe it would have been someone like Simeone. I don't know that would have given it that beautiful chemistry. And maybe what Argentina have to do at the national team level to get performances out of these players is actually to get a lot of the ex-players back in the back office and the commercial team and be like, you know what, like, this is our heritage. Mm. Go out and play glorious stuff because Benega shows, and hopefully won't show against United, but he showed why people have fallen in love with his talent. I think Lopetegui has landed. He's found a home, you know? Yeah, it's great. And I remember when Lopetegui took the Real Madrid job and I thought it was a bad move. This sounds like Captain Hindsight now, but... um, You said it at the time though. You said at yeah. the time. I said, I said, if you know, why now? Because his career in club management wasn't really that huge. And it's, it's like we said before, we said it literally last week about Pochettino on Monday, where you move when your stock is high can completely change the trajectory of your career. And you've seen it with Lopetegui. Like Lopetegui became a bit of a joke figure. I think a little bit harshly, but I think so. he got so much stick for the Real Madrid stuff and he never had command of that dressing room. No. Sticking with the Spain job, I think would have been a good move for him. A great move. The rate that Real Madrid turn over managers, if you and I were a football manager to any decent level, we'd probably be offered the Real Madrid job at some point. Because they offer it to everyone. Like, honestly. Actually, Ryan, I didn't want to break it to you, but given the sort of slightly earlier departure of Real that was expected, I I did get a WhatsApp from... I'm not surprised. They probably hired you on the back of that fucking tweet. (laughs) You'll see it. Perez is like, this guy tweets good. Offer him the job. Comunicado oficial. Yeah. <laughs> but they do, right? They, they offer it to everyone. Like Julian Nagelsmann came out and said that he got offered the Real Madrid job in 2018. I mean, as I love Julian Nagelsmann, but in what world, if you are in charge of Real Madrid, do you think that Julian Nagelsmann at that point in his career is the right guy to take over Real Madrid? Do you not know love about Nagelsmann though? Do you not know love about him? He turned it down. That was his reaction. That reaction you just gave, that's why he's such a great manager because his reaction was probably exactly the same as yours. Yeah. He is someone that has a clear plan. He's that guy at uni that basically has like his life mapped out in three-year segments. Mm-hmm. Like three years here, save this much, buy this property here, buy to let that property there, go there, train there, get that language there, da 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 That's the thing about Nagelsmann that I love. It's like he knows his own ability to yes. the degree where he's like, I don't need that yet. And that is someone who knows, like we said, when your stock is that high, the next move is key. And it's cost so many managers their careers, man. Yeah. Real Madrid are like the snake in Jungle Book, basically. <laughs> yes. They are. Yeah. If anyone arranged a meeting with me from the Real Madrid board, and we're like, Ryan, I mean, obviously it'd be a bit weird, but I'd be like, why are you interviewing a guy who does a podcast for the Real Madrid job anyway? But let's imagine that I, in a small term... Talk to everyone else, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've literally run out of people that haven't been offered the job yet. But let's say I was in some kind of relative football management career. I don't know, where would I be? Let's say I was in charge at, I'm going to say Everton. I had the Everton job. We were doing all right. We were doing all right. Oh no, but that means Carlo's not there. Anyway, this is details. We don't need, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the, the deal is... It's our they, world. Our hypotheticals, yeah. Ryan. Our hypotheticals. It's not even a what if. <laughs> but yeah, I'd be like, you're an unserious football club if you're offering me this job. Yeah, unserious is the word. Anyway, we've gone massively off on a tangent here. The point is, Lopetegui, good. <laughs> Lopetegui, good. Lopetegui, good. Um, quickly on Wolves though, they missed the penalty. Not a great penalty. That goes in, 
does it change the game that much or do you think Sevilla still end up winning? I think they end up winning because... Maybe after extra time. This is a bad analogy to draw, but I'll do it anyway. For those who are rugby union fans, it reminded me of when South Africa played England. Dude, we're on the ringer now. You can't be talking about rugby union. Yeah, but I have to because it's important because people get it. You know how in every major tournament, every sport, there's always a game where the result is close, the ultimate result is close. But when you watch the game, you're like, the team that wins always has an extra gear. Like they will Mm. always find another goal. And when England got to the Rugby World Cup final against South Africa, you always felt South Africa had more points in them. Wolves basically, it's a challenge they've had maybe all year, over-reliance on one or two key attacking outlets. And it does cost you. And also Sevilla as well, just their game management. Mm. They are they are Europa League royalty at this point. Oh, yeah, They're royalty. So them in any closing stage of any like major Europa League game is... It's curtain, so I'm not sure the penalty changes much. And that's the thing, I, I only want to be charitable to Wolves because I think they'd extended themselves as far as they could. Yeah, I mean, this you has know. been an ultimately quite a successful season for Wolves there. Yeah, I think so, yeah. You can't really fault them. No. Um, let's go to the other game, finally, before we move on. Uh, Shakhtar beating Basel. Shakhtar won 4-1. Shakhtar's kit, by the way, arguably a shout for Europa League. Best Europa League kit. Really, really smart. Shakhtar's um, stick colours anyway. Basel are a catfish. They really are, honestly. Their season has been so weird. They've, they had their lowest league finish since 2009 in the Swiss League. I think they th- finished third. Shout out to Craig King on this, actually. At Football Swiss. Uh, no, it's not. At Football Swiss EN on Twitter. Really, really good follow for Swiss football. Fewest wins since 2001. Most defeats since 2001. Lowest points since 2003. That's in the league. Goodness me. In the Europa League, eight wins out of 10, first ever win in Spain, 10 unbeaten home Europa Europa League games, and only the third time they've reached the quarterfinals. But Shakhtar dispatched of them kind of easily. It was just way too easy. I mean, Marcel got a consolation goal two minutes into stoppage time at the end of the game. By then it was already 4-0. Are Shakhtar like, they are kind of a Europa League royalty as well, aren't they? To an extent, they've always got really interesting players. They've always got, they're the kind of club where you look at them and go, who's in their squad? Because two or three years later, one of them, or at least, well, two or three of them will be somewhere big. I mean, that's where mm. Fernandinho came from, isn't it? Um, yeah. Willian as well. Willian, yeah. Mkhitaryan before he went to Dortmund. Ricardo Tessera was there, I think went to China instead of going to Liverpool as he was much hyped. So a really interesting club actually. Oh, Shakhtar are a massively interesting club, yeah. yeah. And do you know what? They could cause Inter a bit of trouble in that semi-final. With that firepower, yeah. Obviously, Basel and Inter are two very, very, very different beasts. But I actually tweeted the Europa League is really fun. And it gets a little bit of stick, the Europa League, where it gets a lot of stick. But I think it's because it's such a bloated tournament. But when it gets down to the knockout stages, it usually gets super fun. And now with this, this format as well, I think it's really, really fun. Those semi-finals, Sevilla, Sevilla against Manchester United and Inter against Shakhtar, that's really tasty. That's actually, you know what that is? That's actually a throwback to when the tournament under its previous name was like of the highest level. Yeah. If you won the Europa League in a certain generation, it wasn't that far behind the Champions League. This stage, this season, the knockout stages of the European competitions in the men's and the women's, which starts next week. Yeah. Women's Champions League. They're all amazing. And especially with this new format, which 
That's a nice little segue onto a piece that you've just written, but let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about that piece. Sure thing. All right, so we're back from the break. And as we mentioned, Moose's piece up on the ringer.com forward slash soccer about Champions League and the knockout stages. <laughs> and it references Morricone, which is all good in my book. It's a beaut. That's very kind of you. I was, I'm always a bit worried when I write stuff like this because it was kind of a hype piece about the Champions League and what was there to look forward to. And just really highlighting the fact that the nature of one and done, you don't win that game, you go home. Mm. The nature of that, I think, makes it, it does give teams that wouldn't otherwise have a chance over two legs a fighting chance. I think that actually Atlanta would have struggled over two legs, strangely. Mm-hmm. I think that I would have backed PSG over two. Um, and I think that the real key beneficiary of this could be, it could be Barca. It could be Barca because for all of Bayern's strengths, and I argued this in my piece, in a knockout with a desperately Messi and actual speed alongside him, it, it, it actually will come down to how they could use someone like Usman Dembele. Mm. I hope that Barca come out, not you know recklessly because Bayern are Bayern and they'll have a lot of control in, position, in, in midfield, but really use their speed to their advantage. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how, how they line up against Bayern. There's part of me that just thinks it's going to be same old, same old. I agree, yeah. Yeah. I think if they go out valiantly, they'll be okay. That's interesting. No, no, that's fair. I think it's fair. But at the same time, they have Messi. Yeah, exactly. This is the thing. They have Leo Messi. And for all the things that Bayern have faced this season, mm. they haven't faced that. Mm. A vengeful, and I've got to be honest here, nobody wants any parts of that. I don't want any parts of that. I don't want a vengeful Leo Messi no, approaching no me. I think do, do you, you, want, do you, want, you want that? I want no parts no. of that. Leo, if you listen to this, you or your, me, me you know, won't. Your, well, you say that, but... I mean, I know. You sure? You sure? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty confident. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not pretty, I'm not that confident about much, but I'm confident about that. <laughs> Leo, we don't want any parts of it, Leo. <laughs> Let's move on to the MLS's back final, which was won by Portland Timbers. They beat Orlando City 2-1 on, was it Tuesday night, our time? Even the great nanny couldn't save Orlando City. Somehow fitting those, the two finalists though. It's the thing, unlike in the, in the women's tournament, those are two finalists you could actually broadly expect. Like, yeah, I yeah, think that's, t- Timbers, yeah, I would say Timbers, Orlando. I mean, the Timbers have, you know, the Timbers won a championship. They've yeah. won a championship before, even in, you know, even though they're fairly young, well, yeah, I mean, they're a fairly young franchise. But they won... Was it 2015? Was it the year they won? Yeah, 2015. They were runners up a couple of years ago. They're used to being there. Orlando are too young, I think. You'd expect the Timbers to kind of come away from that. What I will say, I mean, I I know that um, he didn't play, um, obviously in the the final wasn't uh, a factor, but I've loved watching Chris Mueller Mm. this year. Was my standout watching Orlando. I just, I love the way he, you know, his, his movement, Uses both feet really nicely. Um, and quite something, I, I always quite like these kind of apprenticeship type teams. You know, like I think Casper Dolberg over at, is over at Nice with Dante. I like it when you've got like mm. a young player and an old hand. Mm. And the same dynamic I see with Nani at Orlando and Chris Mueller. Yeah, and Pereira shout out for him as well because he's been strong all tournament. Well, yeah, so the MLS is back, is done. Yeah. And I believe that the season is scheduled to start on August the 21st or to resume I should say on August the 21st this is 
No, sorry about this. Sorry. This is, well, am I really sorry? No, too much too soon. All this, mm. oh, they've had three months break. They've had, I'm like, hang on a minute. Like maybe we don't feel they had a break because we've been podcasting through it. So we've been like covering football, even though people have been away. Mm. And I just hope that we don't get, here's the thing, I hope we don't get buyer's remorse where a few games into the season, players are getting all these weird injuries because their bodies aren't used to playing again with mm. this stop start. I think, I think if they knew that they were going to resume in August, I'm kind of don't really see the, well, yeah, it's a money thing, right? Okay, yeah. But I mean, it's a money thing that they did this tournament, but if, if, they were, if they were, <laughs> they're due to restart in what, two weeks? No, eight days. I don't really see the point of having a month-long tournament before that, to be honest, but I might be wrong. Um, I mean, I'm, sh- probably... I'm sure that someone's run the numbers and I'm sure there's a good accountancy reasons. And also, actually, I will say this, another congratulations to the way that clubs are conducting themselves because, you know, if we said this a few months ago with the COVID thing, look, the depths of pandemic, that this would have gone off relatively well. Mm. And they, they have, you know, generally speaking clubs have generally pulled this off fairly well. So I want mm. to give some credit there. You know, because I don't want to always like crit- criticising it. It has been handled exceptionally well, I think. I think so, yeah. You know, once it's actually been up and running. Yeah. Props to the, the powers that be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Check, check us out, praising the man. Ugh. Well, I just think, you know what it is? It's Hold because up. I think, I think it's just I that know. thing where you've got to, yeah, you, you know what it is, you know what it is. It's I like, know. look at yeah. you, who's caveating now? Wow, wow, hey. wow. Caveat hey. City, wow, wow. How you, like how you like caveats them? and get the hell out of here. <laughs> how you like them caveats? <laughs> <laughs> how do you like them caveats, everybody? <laughs> Let these poor people live and we'll get out of here. We will. We hope everyone's staying safe and well. Don't forget Stadio Sessions Saturday, the two hours before Man City Lyon. Don't forget to check theringer.com forward slash soccer. Also on the Stadio website, we had two pieces go up this week. One from Kunle Ajayo about Black Lives Matter and Leeds and Jonathan Lako. And another one from Sana Qureshi with a great, great long read about Everton. Um, they're on the Stadio site, stadio.com. No, it's not. Stadio.football. Yeah. <laughs> Moose's piece on The Ringer, theringer.com forward slash soccer, as we mentioned. And I think that's everything, right? Oh, book plug, book plug. Oh, yes. News. Drum roll. Yes. So I'm very excited. I've written a book based on my first four years in Berlin, which is called In the End, It Was All About Love, being published by Rough Trade Books, which I'm super excited about. Dude, that's like signing for Bettis. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly it. Do you know what, Ryan? It's a moment because the book is basically like all the things that matter to me, like intimacy, race, migration, And just like the way we live now in big cities, in cities that don't always feel designed for us, in a world that doesn't always feel designed for us. It's kind of a reflection on where we are. It's a bit like, if you like stuff like Teju Cole or Fernando Pessoa, who I love, he wrote a book called The Book of Disquiet. It's a kind of like reflection on city life. I'm not comparing it to those people because they're geniuses. It's more like... Stop it. Well, no, it's a reflection on city life. Yeah. I've I've not read the book yet, but I've heard you read a number of chapters at readings for a couple of years now, right? Yeah, that's right. This book's been kind of just like floating in the ether, but finally someone took a chance on it. Yeah. It is genuinely amazing and super moving. And honestly, man, you know, I know that we're, we're doing a podcast here about football. This is a big deal. You should be really proud. And I think it's going to be amazing. I think people are going to really enjoy it. Thanks, man. That means a lot. It means a lot. 
God. Good times. God, so emotional. <laughs> right, let's get out of here. Let's play some uplifting music. Stop this absolute love fest. <laughs> uh, all right, we're playing out on Burton Inc. Why don't you let me know? And Musa, why don't you let me know what cheesy thing you're going to say to everyone before we go? Stay hydrated, kids. Oh, that's not cheesy. That's just logical. Difficult. <laughs> don't kill the vibe. <laughs> don't kill the vibe. Yeah, no, it's just, um, I obviously took a bit of time to appreciate a special thing that happened for me. And I know that things are quite grim at the moment. So if you do get a moment to appreciate small things over the next few days, please take it. Because so many, look, a lot of us are taking a lot of L's, a lot of losses at the moment, all over the place and just celebrate the wins, basically. Like, mm. celebrate the wins where you can get them because we have to. Otherwise, what's it all about? Have a good weekend, everyone. If you want to come and join us on Saturday evening or Saturday morning for you, Stadio Sessions, check at Stadio on Twitter. We'll post all the info. Take care. Look after each other. See you Monday. See ya. <laughs> Oh, no.